The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests. Hello, and welcome to episode 55 of Two Millennials, One Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Gable. And I'm Abby Richmond. And today we are talking about FOMO. Before we get started, (laughs) I haven't said this in a few episodes, but if you are listening to this, we're still, even though we had a hiatus, we are still available on every major podcasting app, probably more than we were before, so check us out. Yeah, I definitely think it's more poppin'. I think so too. I'm impressed that we went away for a while and then just randomly came back without telling anybody, and the listenership is still there. Well, you know what they say. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. They do indeed say that, and that very well may have been true. Maybe we drove up (laughs) demand by just disappearing for a while. I think that was the goal. Just kidding. The goal was for me to get my life together. Same here. It was a busy time. It's actually probably a more busy time right now, but we care that much about you listeners that we got together for a Yeah, I'm grinding right now. Me too. On that two-job grind, sorority grind, school grind. I'm in that coaching grind, teaching new classes grind, getting home at 6 p.m., going to bed at 8 p.m. grind, where you have that like two-hour window of Oh, yeah, you're doing the, the innovation class? Yeah. How's that going? It's terrifying, but like in the best way. How is it constructed? Like, what does a class look like? So you come in, and it's about six weeks of training, and every day is something just completely different. Like one day you may be talking about how to take some idea and like stretch it just far enough so it's considered an innovation that would be useful. Today we talked about the facility and benefits of getting a LinkedIn account Mm -hmm. and connecting with people. Other times it's talking about like how do you file a patent or how do you find a venture capitalist to fund your startup. So six weeks of just a bunch of random stuff and it's all cool because I mean you're talking to high school students most of them have never considered any of this. Right. So it's interesting, you know, you're gaining a lot. I'm learning a lot too. I'm a math teacher, you know. I I have a podcast and stuff, but I don't necessarily, I've never filed a patent. You know, I don't have any reason to do that stuff. Right. So I'm learning too. And then after the end of the six weeks, it gets to a point where everyone has to either have a partner or a group and has to come up with an idea for a project or an innovation or an event. And we present them and we basically tussle and make them better and shut down the crappy ones, you know, and try to get people. a shark tank situation. Yeah, pretty similar. And then once they have something that fits all of the categories, they're off. And sixth hour becomes like, this is your hour of the day where you make stuff happen. Like you're calling people, you're doing whatever needs to happen to accomplish this goal. That's so crazy. It is. And I'm having these moments and sometimes it's frustrating and sometimes it's really cool, but real learning is taking place. Not that real learning doesn't Mm -hmm. happen in a normal classroom and like a math class, but just some of the connections. Uh, The other day, I showed him a video of this group of high school kids that started a coffee shop within their school and like all that had to go into that and whatnot. And my principal rolled in and like, we're all watching this. And then we had this huge discussion about how viable that would be at Kirksville High School and who we'd need to call. And could we team up with Caffeine Fix and all this stuff to do this? And it was just like this weird moment of learning 
that was so organic. Oh, I wish I wish awesome. that would have been offered when I was in high school. It sounds right up my alley. I know. And if I had a dollar for every graduate that has ha- said that sentence to me and I look at them and I'm like, you would have been perfect. Same thing with you. Like we would have yeah. we would have created not we, but you would have created something fantastic. I feel like I could go off on that. I agree. I mean, I got the opportunity sometimes to work on the 3D printer, and I thought that was the most fun thing I'd ever learned. Absolutely. And we're going to try, and some of these kids are going to have to, make those connections with the tech center and with B&H Graphics and all of these people that are able to produce and do stuff, you know, because we, out of room 118, we can't 3D print. We can't uh, print t-shirts or whatever, so... Think about the opportunities you're giving those kids, though. That's wild. For sure. And I hope at the end of it, they realize what has happened. And when I said it was scary, they're scared, too, because this is about as real life as high school gets. Yeah. There there aren't really grades. There's really no one making you do anything. It's a lot about intrinsic motivation and being passionate about stuff Mm -hmm. to make you want to do it. And there's really no training wheels. It's just like every day we're doing (laughs) some crazy things and... It's a lot of fun, and I hope they're learning, and I hope they're gaining skills. And I mean, hopefully, some of these kids start things that maybe don't preclude college, but they can continue doing while they're in college, you know, or mm-hmm. they can provide for them or launch them to other things. Or maybe yeah, at we, least just spark an interest. Absolutely. And realize that, like, truly, if careers die, and they are dying, where you don't necessarily go get a degree and get a job in that degree, et cetera, if that not your track in those few remaining careers you need something else yeah so you better be an entrepreneur (laughs) an innovator you better come up with something to make a living you know right so at a minimum they're getting exposure to that they may all go off to college and become teachers and doctors and whatever the normal things are but the cool thing is as well they're not all high-flying students not to insult my (laughs) students right now but there's some of the kids that struggled in my math classes or some of the kids i've never seen before because they're not even remotely close to the math classes i teach and they're in there and I'm excited to see what they come up with. This is a podcast about innovation, I guess, at this point. (laughs) But today I told them about LinkedIn. I made them all sign up and we're starting to build this network and we're trying to see how far we can get this. So we have resources. I said tonight, besides this account being created and joining, linking up our accounts, you need to post one thing of content, be it a picture, be it something you're interested in or whatever. I think some of the kids misinterpreted me, but they started listing their project ideas and we have not talked about this at all. Oh my goodness. And some of them are really cool. And I'm thinking like looking at this kid's post and they are a certain way in school, you know, and they they don't seem motivated and they have this like really cool idea. So I'm excited to turn them loose and see, are they capable? Maybe they're not capable of excelling in a math class, but maybe with enough support around them, they're going to go start this business or host this event that would be really awesome for the community. And I'm just super excited to get started on that and see where they are able to go with it. I'm glad that they are getting that opportunity. Me too. Shout out to certain people in my profession that facilitated this and allowed me to go down this path because this was a kind of a risky endeavor. Like you never know how (laughs) these things are going to go. And it's just like, okay, no rules. Here we go. So it's cool. In other news, have you seen those posts that are saying that we had a couple, was it like 17 years and now we only have 12 months or maybe, I don't remember the numbers, but have you seen that? That we're down to only months left to save the planet from global warming. Oh, yes, where we're hitting that switch where we cross it and there's like no coming back from it as far as fixing the damage we've done. Yeah, I have seen some things about that. It's kind of depressing. Is that real life that we're only down to a couple more months? I would have to do more research. I don't know if it's necessarily true, but I think it's 
getting serious to the point where they're starting to tell people that, hoping that finally they'd be like, okay, we need to make some changes. Do you think at this point it's past an individual's grasp? Definitely. And we talk about this all the time. You and me can do all kinds of things. Like I haven't used a straw in forever. You got me to stop using straws. My significant other doesn't use straws. We at least are doing that. We try not to take plastic sacks from Walmart or any store. We cut down on single-use plastics. I use the same Ziploc bag for my lunch every day until it gets so disgusting, which is kind of gross. But No, I like that part of that. Yeah, they fill up landfills. So we're trying, but there are a bunch of people that don't give a crap. And then there's companies burning oil and uh, still producing the plastics and dumping them in the ocean. And it's truly something where the entire world's going to have to come together to fix it. And there are alternatives. This is a frustrating thing. And so they can switch over to plastic bags that are made of a biodegradable Mm -hmm. material. They have this technology. It's not that cost prohibitive. We can switch over to electric vehicles. We can start doing these things. We can plant a bunch of trees to suck the carbon out of the air. It's just everyone's sitting here knowing this, but no one's doing it. I guess my question is just, do you think that if every single person, not even maybe every single person, if the majority of Americans just decided to go all in and not worry about the government trying to change anything or factories and the industries trying to change anything, do you think a select number of people could change? I think a select number of people could have an impact. And I think it would come down to that select number of people, whatever that magic number is. Yeah stop supporting the businesses and companies and governments that are doing this stuff. You know what I mean? Like the lists that come out that say like, exactly. These people are lobbying for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like if we stopped buying gasoline and we all made a conscious effort to use electric transportation or mass transportation or whatever, and we all decided that we, Hey, we're not going to use straws. That could definitely start moving the needle because the companies to make money, they're going to have to adapt finally. Right. Like we have that power. But this gets into the current political divide we have where half of America doesn't believe it's real and you can't fix that. Right. So it is depressing. And I mean, the only thing you can really do is take care of your own situation, you know, and that doesn't fix the global situation, but you can do your part in that way. And it's, again, depressing because you're not making a global change. Yeah, it's been getting me down. It's been getting me down a lot lately. As it probably should, you know, it's not a positive thing by any means. We've got to do something. Because it's just overall change or overall effect is so far beyond my grasp individually that it just gets me down. That I know that I can't do anything just because of my giant want to fix things. I think a lot of people are experiencing that. I know some people very well that have that same, it's an anxiety is what it is. Yeah. Of just, here's this massive problem that I can do nothing about. And yeah, that can keep you up at night. Mm. I don't know what to say or do just about that. vote. I mean, truly. And there are even arguments of that is almost worthless when it comes down to it. But it's pretty much all we have it's, at this yeah, point. Unless we want a revolution. That's true. That got heavy quick. You want to talk about FOMO? Yeah. All right, so FOMO, if you don't know, and if you're a millennial listening to this, you probably are very aware what FOMO is. It's the fear of missing out. And I did not know this, but the actual definition is FOMO is a social anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere, often aroused by posts seen on social media websites. I know what FOMO is. I mean, it's exactly what it says. It's fear of missing out, but I did not realize it was a class as a social anxiety, but it makes sense. Is it like officially classed as a social anxiety? I don't know if it would be said that it was by the American Psychological 
whatever, but I think that's how it's referred to by people that research it. Wow. Other names for it, fear of regret, fear of being left out, fear of not being included. And this can take forms as far as social interaction, novel experiences, or profitable investments. I think of things like Bitcoin. And Mm. when Bitcoin was super high and everyone's like, oh my gosh, I have to get some now. And that was driven from the fear of missing out, that anxiety that someone was making a good investment and you weren't in on it. That's how some TV shows are getting popular nowadays. Definitely. And we'll talk about how brands and companies leverage FOMO. They They get people to do things because of FOMO. This concept, the fear of missing out, is not anything new. This has been around since humans have been around. Like, we always want to be involved. You know, no one wants to be left out. For sure. But it has really accelerated to the point where they have coined the term FOMO in 2004, I believe, is when that was coined. And it's really proliferated around social media and the ability to be connected at all times. It's to the point where it has physical effects on people and depression. And this isn't just some hand wavy type of thing. This is a real anxiety that people experience because they're so connected with people. They know exactly what's going on. They see their friends at Lollapalooza hashtagging the crap out of things and you have an anxiety because you're not there. Yeah. You're missing out. I feel like I could maybe almost relate to this. My mom would 110% say that I have FOMO bad. This summer I even... I deleted all of my social media apps so that I could focus on my job and just what I was doing and everything. And it was so eye-opening and refreshing just to have a break from not even the information input, but just the urge to scroll through things. Just that, you know, maybe there's going to be something on one of my news feeds that I really needed to see or that I would really like to see. And I just would always have this urge to make sure and go through that there wasn't going to be anything good. And so not necessarily that I would be missing out on an invitation or anything, but just that I would miss out on information. And so I really liked the breath of fresh air getting rid of apps allowed me to have. Definitely. I don't want to jump right to it, but the cure, as far as they can tell, for FOMO is just a disconnect, you know, like get off of social media, quit compulsively checking things and just reconnect with real people in the real world. And that FOMO thing seems to lessen and die down. For sure. Right now I have time limiters on all my social media and apps so that I don't, you know, sit there and just scroll mindlessly anymore. And that's probably way better for your mental state and everyone's mental state if they could regulate their social media for sure. Yeah. Like I said, this FOMO thing is a real issue, I guess, and it's something that's been studied. This group under the initials JWT, I couldn't really find out what it stood for, but it's a company, and they did a a research study in 2012. So this is decently old even. It's called the Fear of Missing Out Study, and they found that 70% of millennials can completely or somewhat relate to the idea of FOMO. And this was in the United States and the United Kingdom. So it truly has impacted our generation specifically, and there are a ton of reasons why Our generation is the one that's being hit so hard with it. And I'm sure Gen Z, formal Gen Z, is kind of dealing with this too. But what this study found, they found six main drivers of the advent and explosion of FOMO. Number one, and I would love your take on these, and I think you... We, we kind of hit on these all the time in the show, but number one was radical transparency meets life in real time. The ability for social media, mm. for everyone just to spill the contents of their day immediately. It's made a platform for some, I guess they're called influencers. Absolutely. To just 
talk about their day and people just eat it up just because they are famous talking about their day gives individuals the feeling of being able to relate to someone sure, that is famous connected connectedness yeah. definitely and so just having the access to that now is something that even my parents generation would never have dreamed of seeing someone even in a different country just snapchatting their morning routine this is afflicted us all in the sense of having a platform where we can post our life as well. And we're not even remotely famous, but you and I and everyone we know are guilty of it, of like, oh, I'm on vacation or, oh, I am running and doing yoga today. And just, we are so transparent where we were never like that before because there's no way to be that transparent slash who cared, you know? Right. It was people you talk to on a daily basis that knew that level of transparency. Now it's strangers on the internet or people you are tangentially connected to because you're friends of a friends on Facebook type of stuff. Hmm. It's a weird world we're living in. Number two on the drivers of FOMO for our generation, the millennials, is the fact that we are digital natives. We don't really know anything other than life on a device or life on the computer. Well, I think a lot of I think a lot of millennials are going to be on that cusp, though, of knowing both sides, of growing up without any sort of real technology, you know, in the home, or at least maybe just a computer. I would agree with that sentiment overall, but you also have to remember when the millennials were coming of age, we did have computers, we had instant messenger, and that's not as bad as having that phone in your hand next to your head while you're sleeping it became way more immediate but you grew up with the technology for sure yeah i mean i remember running home after school to get online on instant messenger you know like it was still an addictive thing it was so jank back then and it's (laughs) it's not what it is today but it's still that transparency and that need to know and that interconnectedness that technology facilitated the millennials definitely experienced that and it has really honed its skill as far as addicting us and making us mentally unstable, but it it was there prior. And we are more or less the first generation that had had access to that pretty much through their formative years. I think growing up with it as it's advancing to also fuels the want for new technology all the time, like the want to stay active in what's coming out and being always updated on the newest technology. Right. We don't experience that gap that our parents probably do where it was like a huge learning curve and they're like cell Mm -hmm. phones question mark we just kind of merge into it like we shift with the technology i don't think we necessarily will fall out of it i don't think there will be some crazy thing that comes out that we're like i don't know how to use that yeah we it's in our dna almost that you give us a new phone or a new computer and we can pretty much manipulate it I think that's so fun to watch, especially in little kids, that if you just hand them a tablet, some two-year-old's going to be able to probably figure it out. Absolutely. The third thing, and this is kind of interesting, because you see this from time to time, probably a lot actually, is the emergence, I guess I should say, of social one-upmanship on social media, of just everyone's incessant- The social blade. Ooh, explain this to me. Well, okay, I I can't actually explain it to the full extent because I think it's an app or a website of some sort but it's just this concept of the social hierarchy I guess and who's hot and who's not yeah I could see that definitely just wanting to be better than every other human yeah you bought a new Rolex so you're gonna put that on Instagram and your friends all have one so now you have to one-up that and just this back and forth that exists on the internet and people get caught up in that that's the whole thing with the FOMO is you are now 
anxious that you're missing out on what all your friends are doing. And it can lead to you stopping posting what you really want. Like, if you think your life isn't as interesting as you did before you got into social media, then now you're not as excited about things that you were doing previously. For sure. And that actually hits quite a bit on some of these other ones, too. The fourth driver in the study was just companies coming up with hashtag friendly events, which seems kind of silly, but... If you think about it, concerts like Lollapalooza or, I mean, Firefest and what are some other giant culture things like concerts, Warp Tour and, I don't know, things like that. Companies have started marketing themselves where it's really easy to go hashtag Lollapalooza at the end yeah. of your post. And our society can be boiled down to these basically words that everyone recognizes, you know. I said Lollapalooza 40 times and everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's not some thing that people right. don't understand. Like Pride Fest had a giant hashtag. For sure. We've encapsulated events and ideas down to single words that you can throw a hashtag in front of. People read that and they know what it is. They feel like they need to be involved. And if they're not, they can start feeling left out and they have that fear. There's like a trend of weddings having hashtags as well. Weddings and uh, parties and things like that. Sure. And if you're scrolling through your feed and you see a bunch of wedding photos with a bunch of hashtags and... Especially when they come from different people and they all have the same hashtag of an event that you didn't go to, that's the worst. Right. You feel like you were not included or left out or you're seeing it and it's about to happen. Yeah. And you aren't invited or you weren't planning on going and it induces an anxiety in you. A couple more things and I'll finish up the things that are causing FOMO section here. Uh, number five was social media feeding into relative deprivation. And this is kind of what you were talking about. Relative deprivation is the dissatisfaction people feel when they compare their life positions to others and grasp that they have less than what they're yeah. the other people. And we've had several podcasts about this, about what that does to your mind when you're seeing the best view of someone through a filter online and then you compare it to your life and you're like, oof, my life sucks. The classic. Just don't get entangled with it. Yeah, try to avoid it for sure. The last driver cited of FOMO was the fact that millennials experience life in overdrive, how there's always too much to do, read, yes. to watch, oh my to buy. And they followed that up with 66% of millennials say that they don't have enough time or energy to delve into topics or <laughs> endeavors that they care about because they're so busy with their own life slash keeping up with yeah. everything. The there's new Netflix show, the news, what Trump said. It's just, it's so much all of the time. There's more images output every day than there has been in the entire history. Right. And videos on YouTube. If you follow YouTube people, how do you keep up with that? Or TV shows on Netflix or news or just any, it's impossible. To really sit down and think about all the information that I consume in a day is probably pretty overwhelming. And some of it's just absolutely pointless. A lot of it's absolutely pointless. But some of it's absolutely awesome and needed and i would say even if you focus on just the necessary stuff it's still too much it kind of just makes me wonder what people thought about all day when they didn't have access to phones that's an interesting question i mean even when they didn't have access to technology like let's go back it sounds kind of goofy but like no it's a fair question let's go back to the 50s for instance where like you had a 
television, but it had three channels. You had a radio. What did people do? Like, we compulsively pull our phones out in any four-second span of dead space, you know? Or, like, when you're walking to... Well, I guess you don't ever walk to class. But when I'm walking to class and I make eye contact with somebody that's too far away for me to have, like, made eye contact with them yet, and so I have to awkwardly not make eye contact with them again, I pull my phone out. Absolutely. And it's a very handy tool to pull out and kill dead space or get you out of an awkward situation, but... Yeah, what happened before then? What did people think about? What did they consume? I know you didn't have access to 24-hour news or social media or anything. It's an interesting question for sure. Also, this somewhat related, it stresses me out that there's a point in my life where I could not just look up what I needed to know. How did I live? Yeah. The fact that I have my phone on me at all times, and if I need to know who won the 1964 World Series, instead of me being like, gosh, it'd be nice if I knew that, (laughs) I just know it. What did I do? I mean, I I know what I did. I would go home and get in the the Britannica encyclopedias that my parents had. Oh my gosh, would you really? Yeah, that's all. I wrote so many papers from that. That's Oh, that's massively insane. It is. I mean, those were released in 1990. That was already like eight-year-old, ten-year-old information. And you're just like, oh, hope this is still true. That gives me anxiety. Like, I like having the technology here. I don't like all of the bad side effects and the FOMO and the sleep deprivation and the mental instability. But knowing things or having the ability. Access of information. Absolutely. That is great. But it's also one of the negative parts. It is. There's just so much of it. (laughs) Maybe it's bad that I can know who won the 1964 World Series in four seconds. Well, what happens if the world ends and you can't charge your phone and then you don't know how to start a fire or how to sanitize water? That would be probably the most interesting human experiment. Give humans cell phones for, I don't know, 20 years and then just take them all away and see if humanity can function if society can still run and we've talked about that too in the zombie episode and whatnot like if gps satellites go down if cell phone service goes down shoot i mean there are things daily that i have to look up instructions on how to do oh yeah we don't come pre-installed and educated with certain skills because you can just look them up right oh my gosh yeah i feel like i'd fall apart this is wide-ranging and depressing This wasn't a driver, but this cracks me up a little bit. Millennials are extra susceptible to FOMO because we are at the most narcissistic age. Yeah. We're very focused on what other people think and are doing. So we fall right into this anxious bucket of FOMO because we're geared that way already. anxious bucket. A FOMO. (laughs) Last thing I guess we'll talk about is what Abby kind of mentioned at the beginning of how brands and marketers know that we are susceptible to FOMO. Mm. So they gear advertisements and availability directly to FOMO fear. And they get us to buy stuff like lightning deals on Amazon or limited to time options, which were around way before, but I feel like they're milking them more. Like by making an entire day on Amazon Prime and you can't say like, oh yeah, I got my Amazon day box, you know, when everybody else is opening them. Right. And you don't want to be the person that doesn't have their Prime Day box. So you're going to buy stuff that's quote unquote on sale that is actually maybe not. And yeah, they they feed on people's FOMO. Or when they hyped up Game of Thrones on every platform possible. Yeah, that's a perfect example. How many people had HBO just to watch Game of Thrones? Me. There you go. There's one, at least one person. One family. Me, Ian, and my parents all watched it. Right. 
and they're banking on FOMO. They know people are going to get the service to watch Game of Thrones because they don't want to miss out. There is that fear of missing That's out where wild. you don't want to be included. And that was funny too. Everyone's freaking out at HBO once that was over because people just shed HBO like crazy. Yeah, I want to I want to know the numbers, the stats on that. Yeah. How much I knew it was a lot because the news was talking about it a ton at that time, but that's a perfect example. And, and it goes to little things too. I think about Taco Bell having like a certain thing that you like and they tell you it's going to be around for a month, so you're going to go get that thing quite a bit that month or mm-hmm. whatever vice the you PSLs, have. The PSLs, taking a picture with the PSL. Absolutely. They roll it out and they hype it up, knowing that you know that it will not be around forever. <laughs> so you, your FOMO kicks in. You're like, oh, I should probably have one of these at least every day. Yes, exactly. Until November or whenever it goes away. As we said, if you know that you are subject to FOMO, which you, if you're listening to this, you probably are, even if you don't want to admit it. You just probably are. Yeah. It's ubiquitous with our band of society, our age range. I challenge you guys to download at least an app time tracker so that you can get an idea of like how much you are using certain apps. And most newer phones even have, like mine has this wellness button I can click and it tells me how long my screen's been on, how long Mm -hmm. I was on this app, how long I was on Snapchat. Check those things out. Click that button. And if it's an embarrassing amount of time, like, oh, you spent six hours on your phone today. Maybe you should back off. It'd probably help your mental state. It will cut down on FOMO. And overall just the best medicine for FOMO, start talking to people in real life. Yeah. Just unplug. Go talk to your mom. Go talk to your friend. Go hang out. Call your grandparents. If you have grandparents that are still alive, call them. Ask them about their life. Ask them about what it was like in 1946. This is a shout out to my grammar. Yeah. Shout out Abby's grandma. Grammar. Grammar. I like it. (laughs) Call your grandparents. Find out what it was like in the Dust Bowl. That's probably dead by now, that generation. Find out what it was like in World War II because those resources are not on Instagram. Wow, yeah. So go make some real connections. Make some real factual first, what do they call it? Uh, Primary evidence. I like it. Go collect your (laughs) primary sources and (laughs) write a research paper without the internet using the Britannica and what you heard from your grandparents and you will be a better human. And if not, call somebody else's. I like it. Adopt someone else's grandparents. Go to a nursing home with people that were wheeled in there (laughs) and just left. This is going to seizing human connection that we have forsaken. All right. I like it. ELE still. Love it. Absolutely. All right. Do you have a song pick of the week, Abby? I do. It's a song called Crash My Car by the band Coin. I'm going to go where you probably guessed I was going to go based on this release date. Taylor Swift dropped a new album. (laughs) There's a song on there called Cruel Summer, and whew, it is my, my bop. I'm not surprised. Thanks for listening, folks. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed crafting it. Glad to be back again. Stay tuned for the next episode. We'll see you later. Bye.